Hey, Mike. Hey, Julian. Hey, how do you reckon you'd have coped two years out of vet school, buying into and buying a practice, and then COVID hits? Oh, wow. God, too much to bear. I have no idea. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Shannon Emmons has done exactly that, and she's blossoming. So let's get her on and find out what happened. Brilliant. Hi, I'm Mike Brampton. And my name is Julian Hope. Welcome to Veterinary Ramblings. Hi. Shannon, hello. Hello, Shannon. Hello, Shannon. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Shannon, how wonderful it is to see you. It's great to see you guys. We're talking to Shannon Emmons from the state of Maine in the US of A, which actually I'm quite relieved to hear because I read your bio on the, on your website, the practice website, and I thought, hang on. So if you were born in America and you bought a practice in America, why have you suddenly retired over to the Lebanon to do a behaviour degree? <laughs> I thought, that's an odd place. I didn't even know that the Lebanon had a huge wealth of, of behavioural knowledge. So then I investigated a little further and found that Lebanon is a town in Maine. Oh, you didn't know that? I didn't know that. <laughs> I'd look up where Maine was. It's it's somewhere near you, New York, isn't it? Or Every, kind of. It's yeah. It's honestly like the closest state to probably you guys from yeah, it's the top right hand corner, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're your closest <laughs> neighbors. Yeah, Maine's not very original in its naming of towns. There's a China, Norway, Paris, really anything they could just copy from somebody else, it's been done. So, <laughs> cool is that? That's great. Well, first of all, I found out you're near Berwick, and that's in Yorkshire, now. Well, isn't it? Or Berwick on No, it's in Northumbria. Northumbria. Sorry, I do apologize. It is. It is. Yes, slightly more north of Yorkshire. Yes, in the top right-hand corner. So, again, <laughs> copying. And then they couldn't be more original. So not only is there a Berwick, there's a North Berwick and a South Berwick. So we just had to we had to make as many towns as we could <laughs> out of the one name. Where, where, did, where did all that, that come from? Do you know, Shannon? Do you have an interest in this? Because I find this fascinating. Do you share this interest or are you just being polite? I don't really have an interest in it other than... There's, it's like a big tourist thing. There's a, a sign and it has arrows like everywhere. You can go to China, you can go to Norway, you can go to wherever. And it's on a bunch of postcards for Maine. So that's the only reason I know about it. <laughs> all right. Okay. I was just wondering how or why this all came about. I don't know. I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I, I think it's because the Plymouth Brethren and, and such like who came from from our fair shores to, to your fair shores across the pond, we're a bit homesick. Yeah. And we looked at places. Like, yeah, yeah, tell you what, this looks a little bit like very good. Look, we ground this. I like this. Nice. Yeah, where China that's comes true. from. But, uh, we didn't have too many Chinese people living in uh, in Plymouth at that time, did we? Probably not. Certainly yeah. not with a whole accent either. I know. I'm not going to be any more culturally inappropriate or misappropriate. But but actually, I wonder. Bearing in mind the the multinationalistic state of Maine, I wonder what bearing it has on the answer that Shanna's going to give us to the big question. Yeah? She have a big question? Do I have it? a big question? No. We have a big question. Oh. I'm always... So I, I, I'm going to apologise now. I always pass this on to Mike because he asks it much better than me. And um, I know... We, we always argue about... The, the only thing we argue about is, is, is when to ask the big question. Mike, I like to get it out of the way first, but Mike sometimes thinks we should smooth into it. Well, so, now I, so you've I talked apologize. about it. I know. So sorry, Mike. Sorry, Mike. We're going to have to. I, I, I do so. I'm so sorry, Shannon. I thought we got away with it, and I thought we'd keep talking and talking, and then we'd mm. avoid the question. So I see you're sitting down, so presumably you're comfortable. Presumably. <laughs> Okay. The, the big question. Shannon, what's your favourite bread? Oh, so 
Big question. Big question. Take your time. Sorry, we rushed you in it. We rushed you. In classic America form, I have a gluten issue. (laughs) So my favorite bread is the one that's least likely to cause me GI upset. Though I will say probably like a nice like crusty sourdough would have been the answer in my prior to gluten issue days. Right. Hopefully that's not incorrect. Okay. All right. Good. Good answer. (laughs) We'll take it. Yep. I think I think sourdough now moves to the top of the leaderboard. Mm. (laughs) Probably by two to one actually. It's very popular nowadays, isn't it? I mean Mm. Back in our day, we'd never even heard of it, had we, Julian? No, and now you can't. We, we, we've got a sourdough pizza place or something. <laughs> well, in COVID, it like blossomed because everybody was making their own sourdough starters <laughs> and trading sourdough yeah. and posting on Instagram how pretty their sourdough bread was. And it really blew out of proportion. But I feel like like a nice crusty bread in general mm. warm butter so you, you you just mentioned the the big c word then covid what mm. were you doing during covid oh having a nervous breakdown <laughs> okay oh so we during covid um so i bought my practice in 2019 right. um terrible to be a new business owner. I bought my practice from my mentor. I'd worked with him since I was 16 years old. I worked with him during vet school. He was my first job out of vet school. And he wanted to start cutting his hours back and start transitioning to retirement. So he said, hey, buy the practice. And I was like, that's insane. I graduated two years ago, but I guess... Let's do it. With the understanding he was going to be staying on part-time and easing the transition. And then COVID yeah. hit March of 2020. And he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at the same time. So oh dear. Oh dear. yeah, it was a rough year. So we went from being a two-doctor practice to just me. I was a new business owner. I was a new vet. Two years out of vet school, not that, you know, it's a lot. So I was a rough year being responsible for everybody and making sure that my employees were paid and applying for grants so that we could keep paying everybody and Mm -hmm. keep everyone safe. And like, what if my employees got COVID and died from COVID? It's my fault. Holy cow. So we stayed open when we looked back at the finances we basically made no money and could have just closed the hospital for a year and like avoided all of that stress, which is brutal to look back on. But we, for the first couple of months, only took on really emergent cases. We weren't doing vaccines. We weren't doing your basic like spay, neuter procedures, anything that wasn't urgent. We weren't doing, we were masked and curbside for probably like a year and a half. And we got through it on the other side, but it, yeah, it was a bad year. (laughs) Uh, That's when I had my mental health struggles, weirdly enough. I know there wasn't like a lot going on. No, it's (laughs) a bit of a lightweight there, aren't you, Shannon? Yeah. It's me. Yeah. (laughs) Vets of our age and caliber would just shrug that off and get on with it. Yeah, no, it's just this whiny generation. I know. <laughs> the we're the worst. We don't work hard. And <laughs> I'm always, I'm in the practice owners groups. So I'm like constantly seeing like these young vets don't want to do anything. And I'm like, I'm in the group with you guys. I'm like, I'm right here. It's right. Hello. Hello. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> oh, you, yeah. You, you must hear terms like snowflake and then. Oh, yeah whatever yeah. applies and it, it's such a disparaging term but it's so easy to use when you don't understand the struggles that someone's going through and i made the rather facile joke about vets of my age sadly i've lost two vets of my age over the last couple of years through suicide it's not an old vet or a young vet illness problem not just a vet problem obviously but the as a profession, we, we are rather more prone and find the whole process rather easier than we, we put our minds to it. Uh, and so, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about not one more vet? Will, and I'm sorry for your loss. Thanks. Thanks. 
feel like we've all been touched by it to some degree in this industry. So not one more vet, Nomdi, I'll call it for short, was Mm -hmm. founded after the loss of Dr. Sophia Yin and really started as a place of support for veterinarians to say like, hey guys, we're all here. We can be here for each other. We can lend an ear, lend some support, whatever you may need. And out of that Facebook forum, recognize the need for so much more than just peer-to-peer. We needed mm-hmm. funds. And even when I graduated vet school in 2017, I was seeing in the forums people saying, like, I need money for therapy or I am leaving an abusive relationship, but I need housing. So we are doing GoFundMes and we are doing mm. these events in the Facebook group to try and help people. So then Namvi got its nonprofit status and really it's just blown up from there. The past couple of years, we've seen so many changes, sometimes for the worse or better in our industry. Obviously, COVID, at least in the U.S., we saw three times rise in pet ownership, but we didn't see that with vets. In fact, we saw a lot of people leaving the industry because all of a sudden things were so much harder. And I think in response, as an organization, Nambi's really tried to figure out, like, how do we address these issues in our industry? So we've come up with different programs, our support grants programs for individuals who may need funding for for housing, for mental health resources, programs for clinics if they're going through a natural disaster or they have a staff member who suffered a tragedy and need the help, need the coverage, need relief, whatever that may be, to programs in education. We're hosting our first like continuing education event as a national organization actually this weekend at our Nambi Gala. And we've started student mentorship. We've recognized that not one more vet isn't just for vets. It's for veterinary technicians. It's for veterinary support staff, for the CSRs at the front desk, for the kennel assistants, anybody working in the field. We all go through some degree of stress on a day-to-day basis, whether that's Mm. client interactions, whether that's hard cases, financial debt, poor work-life balance, we all struggle with it. So expanding constantly to accommodate that we're making sure we're taking care of everybody in the industry. It's been great to be a part of it and to learn more about it and to be able to continue sharing these resources. We have we have so much going on all the time and we're always planning more and more, but it's great because we're really just building that community of people who is there for one another. And if I can't help you specifically with something, I can find you somebody who can. I can try and find you mental health resources near you. I can try and get you hooked up for a financial grant. Like We have people everywhere. It's not just in the U.S. It's all over. We had our first Nambi chapter start in Brazil recently, which is really exciting. Great. So, yeah. yeah. It's one of these things that simply by talking about mental health or mental ill health and, and mentioning words like, like suicide and self-harm actually stops someone or can have the potential to stop someone committing suicide, killing themselves, is that conversation, isn't it? I did a, a mental health first aid course, and, and uh, awesome. there are ways of approaching some of the, the algae mnemonic approach, listen, give advice, et cetera. And once, once you've got people in the group, in the nominee group, I think almost by definition, being in the group, they're hopefully less likely to suffer from mental ill health and... And then take the ultimate step. But um, how would you go about trying to get someone into that group or give them help when they are already shut off, when they're isolated? Because we don't always see that, do we? We don't always see the signs. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is just asking somebody if they're okay. If you know somebody personally or you recognize warning signs, like people are posting a lot about mental health, 
things that yes. others would call like a cry for attention, but maybe there's somebody who just, they really do need help and they don't know how to approach their friends and family, or maybe they don't have friends and family. Um, in the States, we have QPR training, which is Sorry, what, about like, that? so it's about, it, I think it sounds similar to your, your mental health kind of first aid, but making that first question to somebody like, are you contemplating suicide opens up the yeah. door? And if they say no, but I'm struggling, then we say, okay, great. Like, let me help you. And if they say, yes, I am. Then it's like, who do we need to get in contact? Like, do I need to check in on you? Do I need to do a welfare call? And that happens sometimes in the group of, we know somebody is struggling we're working on getting people around them involved. And that's one big thing is that recently we've been trying to put more people on the ground for nombies so that when somebody is going through a crisis situation, that there are people locally available. Um, that's what, when I was saying Brazil has a chapter, that was the program that got me first involved with Nambi was saying, like, how do we have people in these communities? So we started forming like mm. chapters of Nambi in that the chapters can do whatever they want to, but it's a group of people who are in an area that can get people the resources that can be there if somebody just needs to meet for a coffee. Going back to your question, I think like figuring out like, is this, what, how are they asking that? And a lot of people don't get asked that. And I, I talk about it even in regards to like mental health in the workplace. If a staff member is having a bad day or is snapping or something's off, mm. instead of being like, why are they being so nasty today? Maybe go ask them, like, are you okay? Something going on? Because sometimes it's like, my mom's not doing well. She's in the hospital and I'm really stressed. And then mm. we can address it, right? We can work towards it. Sometimes it's they need to go home and take a day off or they need to go do these things. But if we're not asking people and we're just making assumptions or we're hoping somebody else will take care of them, then we're going to miss people who do need help. Julian, you know, you've both there mentioned, mentioned approaching and approaches. Mm. Julian, you mentioned a mnemonic, I think. Yeah, algae. I don't know if you have the same mnemonic there. Challenge. Might be slightly different. Uh, I don't know. I mean, so please share algae, and contrast. Yeah, so algae are the, the five steps of, of mental uh, health first aid that we were taught. So A is, is to approach uh, and, and assess risk. Uh, L is to, is to listen in every non-judgmental way. And uh, you really be a set of engineers for, for, that, um, for that person. And then the, the G is give support, maybe immediate emotional support, or maybe give relevant advice. And then is encourage help, encourage appropriate further outside help. And the, the other E is to encourage self-help and, and maybe just be simply to, to get someone to, to join a group, to go for a walk, to have a an afternoon off coffee break or, or something. So it's a fairly simple mnemonic. So that's the UK mnemonic then, Julian. That's the yeah, thing that you've been Yeah, so it's Mental Health right. First Aid UK, I think. Right, okay. So how does that compare or contrast with, with uh, what goes on with you, Shannon? Well, I think that's all lovely, honestly. And I almost like it better than... So ours is... QPR training is specifically suicide prevention training. So QPR, it's not as in, as in yeah, Queen's so, Park Rangers what, Football Club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very big on mental health, I've heard. So question, are you contemplating suicide? Persuade, like you need to get help. You need to take care of yourself. You need to take time off and refer. So like, I'm just a vet. I'm not a crisis intervention specialist. I'm not a mental health professional. I have some additional training, but I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't get people the help that they need. So I need mm -hmm. to find somebody who can help them, whether that's bringing that person to a hospital or getting them in touch with a therapist, whoever that may be. Mm -hmm. So QPR. And I'm sure there are other programs or might even be you know, I'm almost certain I've heard somebody say they've done mental health um, CPR courses around tier two. So 
that's mm. there might be a similar mnemonic to like the algae as well but mm -hmm. uh, the one that i've done was the qpr training right. mm. interesting there's the suicide alliance as well isn't there there are a few i think that are set up and, and i think all of these help mainly by starting a conversation i think the good thing that's come out of not that I want to say anything about suicide is good, but we're aware of it now. <clears throat> and we're trying to do so many things to be proactive instead of reactive and working on the prevention, working on the awareness. It's getting more and more into the news, at least in the States, that like mental health is a big issue in the veterinary profession. And I've had clients come to me and they're like, I was reading an article the other day about how vets have higher suicide rates than the general public. And we talk about it. And it's great that people are talking about it. I do veterinary behavior as well. So a lot of times when I'm talking to people about putting their dogs on meds or their cat on meds, whatever it may be, I'll say, we're going to start them on Sertraline or Zoloft. And they're like, oh, I'm on that. And we can have that conversation. And like, I can't, even a couple years ago, can't remember people admitting to being on behavioral medications. Yeah. And the fact that we're willing to talk about that, it's awesome. It, like, it's fantastic that we can talk about it and be open about it and recognize that this is like we're not alone and feeling the way that mm -hmm. we are there are other people um who are going through it, who've gone through it who've survived who've made it out on the other side and we have each other to lean on and say this yeah. is what worked for me this is what helped me this is how i got through it and i think it helps to those who are struggling to know that there are people around and that even when you feel awful like it will be okay It'll, or it yeah. will at least get better and we can yeah. at least start to make steps towards improvement it's it's hard when you're in that state to feel like things are going to get better yeah no it is it is and, and, and um, i applaud you for to being part of that that really well needed group mm -hmm. and it is a shame there's need isn't it but I think, as you said, the, the stresses of practice, uh, the demands made by clients, the demands on our time, uh, are all um, are all part and parcel of that. I find, um, I find it inter interesting that this um, non-V has come out of, correct me if I'm wrong here, Shannon, I may be getting this completely wrong, but non-V has come out of predominantly social media and, yeah. and Facebook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, don't you? Uh, sure do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet that is the same instrument or the same media that has been accused of causing a lot of the mental health stresses and problems that we see. And we, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure whether you've got the same thing happening in the States, but in the UK here, there are monotonously regular social media pylons where somebody's had a bad experience at a vet's or have misunderstood something or there's been a misunderstanding at some point in the process and they have resorted to social media and they have rallied their troops around and there's a mass pylon onto a small veterinary practice that's trying, to, trying their best and trying to earn a living and provide a living for the people that work in the team mm. And look after the people's animals, and it gets quite vicious. And so, uh, it, it's an interesting contrast that we'll, we'll name it. Facebook has this effect. Have you got any comments on that at all, Shannon? Yeah, a lot of comments, and some people actually find the non-V groups to be hard on their mental health because they see people struggling, and there is a degree of emotional contagion sometimes of like, oh my god everything's doom and gloom it's not better everywhere else and it's easy to get into that mindset of everything's terrible i mean look at the news so uh, so people don't go into the non-be facebook groups or they're not on facebook at all they're not on social media at all and that's something that we as an organization have recognized so we've formed our lifeboat program which is an anonymous peer-to-peer -peer support program 
not on social media. So completely away from social media. Interesting. The other Mm. thing is too, so yeah, we have had some pretty significant cyber harassment in the States. Local to me, there was a hospital and this got like all over the country and probably all over the world. A big referral center had a German shepherd puppy that was came in. It had eaten a skewer and it perforated the diaphragm, mm-hmm. abdomen, septic abdomen, like awful case. But it was this little puppy. And so they said, like, we'll surrender the dog because they couldn't afford the surgery. And then it came back as the vet's not giving me my dog back. They fixed the dog. Now they're adopting it out. And it turned into this huge thing. And people were sending them death threats. And they had to hire security. And they were people were stalking the employees online and finding out where they lived. So they took down all of their online presence so that they could protect their staff as much as possible and like people didn't hear their side of the story for like a week or so and in the meantime we're just viciously attacking them and eventually they released a statement saying hey this is what actually happened this person brought in this sick dog they couldn't afford treatment we agreed to surrender they agreed to adopt the dog out after And this was a conversation that we had and people were like, oh, and you know, (laughs) but they're so quick to jump on that bandwagon of like, oh my God, they're the worst. And it actually, it turned into, again, like not to see, like always see the good and the bad and toxic positivity and all that jazz. But, and that hospital said that was horrible. But we had a PR team and we had lawyers and we had the funds to hire security and we had the funds to be taking care of this and making sure everyone was okay. But like, what about small clinics that don't have those resources? So out of that, we formed the cyber harassment task force. So now when there is a clinic that's going Mm through a situation like that it can be reported to us we can get them the tools that they may need and lend any helping hand we also have a handbook that came from the hospital that was undergoing the attack that says like here's what you do you turn off your facebook reviews and don't engage and all of Mm -hmm. these things don't share the video don't do this and it helps people to know like what steps they should take in the event that their clinic is undergoing something like that. Oh, that's been a really nice resource to have. And it's something that we unfortunately see a lot of. And, you know, it just takes somebody going through (laughs) a bad time already. And then to have like, God forbid, like if it was a case gone wrong, like I'm sure that that feels horrible already. And then to have people with their pitchforks coming after them, like just insult to injury, right? Like it's, <laughs> I don't think people realize how much we take on ourselves. Oh. I'm like, I'm probably beating myself up more than anybody ever will. Well, quite, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the other aspect of it, of course, is that in America, you go a bit further than pitchforks. That's a very old English method of attack. Like you, <laughs> you have guns. Yeah, there's that too. That. And that happened recently. Unfortunately, there was a vet clinic. Angry client came in and shot one of the front desk staff and killed him in front of his mother, who also worked there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. No, it's very real. It's horrific. We we quite often get poked to the chest by an angry client, and that can be pretty bad, but... (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, sorry, I, I tried to make light of it, but it, that's, that's just awful. Though. Yeah. yeah. There, okay, so I've, I've got to ask you this, Shannon. You are a, forgive me, look, I've, I've got a bald head and a white beard, yeah? <laughs> you, you, you can probably gauge, my, my, I'm, I'm auditioning for a job as Father Christmas this year. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, am, I am of that age. You are a new, young business owner. Mm-hmm. Does this sort of stuff worry you? Yeah, we had a client during COVID. Again, my associate, 
or my former mentor who then became my associate who then left because he had cancer. We had a client demanding to see him and we were Mm -hmm. like, he's out sick. You can't see him. She found his address. She was calling him. She wrote him letters. She was like harassing him. And like, of course, she doesn't know he's going through chemo, but like still like, does that okay to do to people? No. <laughs> and so, like, we filed a restraining order against her. And then I think last year we had a guy calling to all the local clinics, like, his dog had died. He was blaming us, even though we hadn't seen the dog in a year. So, like, we called the police to sit and wait at our clinic for <clears throat> if he showed up because. I, he was calling other clinics saying he was going to come and like attack us. And so we installed panic alarms and oh gosh, it's that's, and we live in a small town and that's not even bad. I can't imagine like how people in busier cities who have to worry about like people breaking in and stealing drugs. And it's something like my husband and I have the conversation because his, anytime the business is stressing me out, he's like, just sell the practice, just sell the practice. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's an easy answer. Right. But at the same time, but at least I can make my own decisions about yeah. like how I want to be treated and how my staff want to be treated. And it, you know, it does put the onus back on me, but I can be the one that's responsible. But yeah, long term, like it's gonna wear on you. I, I say it to people like with kids. I'm like, I don't know how you're raising kids in this day and age like it's terrifying to me the world's a scary place and i don't know maybe people thought that too when they were raising kids my age but it's just it's hard to imagine sending your child out into the world with everything that's been going on sure there's there's a lot of stress out of there there is a lot of stress but it is we're we're delving deeper and deeper but uh our regular listeners and viewers will, will know that the Mike and I generally like life, and you look like someone who generally likes life too. And so, yes, there are nice parts of practice, aren't there? It's not all doom and gloom and and, and gunfights and pitchforks. What what's your happy place in practice? I like obviously puppies and kittens. That's a no. That's just no brainer. We actually have like a clinic policy that if someone has a puppy or kitten appointment, they have to like parade them around the hospital and say hi so that everyone gets like a little bit of serotonin from that. <laughs> as long as the animal's comfortable with it, if it's like a terrified little puppy, we're not going to go <laughs> parading it around. But but I love working with clients. I really pride myself on having great relationships with clients. We're very big on client education and doing behavior. Certainly you have to be, because that's like all you're doing is talking and managing and talking and managing. And it's a lot of correspondence back and forth. But those cases where like things are awful and you finally get something that goes well, or you have a tough case and it goes well, I also like instant gratification. So <laughs> I'm the one doing those long nail trips. My texts are like, that's our job. And I'm like, no, it's nice. <laughs> it's easy. I'm like, yes, I can do this. It's so quick. But yeah. I, and I really, I love being a practice owner. Like as hard as it is sometimes, as much of a pain in the butt that it is sometimes. And I love being a vet. Um <clears throat> Like, I love my job. It's what I've always wanted to do. I never had a backup plan. Um, It's hard to overlook the bad sometimes. But when we think about it, like, we do so much good on a day-to-day basis. And that one bad case sours the rest of it. But, like, we really make a huge difference in this world. I think we do. I think we know that we do. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it. And and every day is a school day, isn't it? We're always trying to find another avenue for our intellectual quizziness. And and so, and and your new avenue is behavior, isn't it? Yeah. So I like behavior. I have liked behavior. And I never really thought I was going to go and specialize in anything. 
But after I went through my own mental health struggles, so when I was like actively in the fits of depression, I lost like 30 pounds in a month and I like oh. couldn't eat and I felt wow. awful and I saw multiple gastroenterologists and was on every GI med ever and had endoscopies and biopsies and like so much and they couldn't yeah. find anything wrong with me. I was like, something is wrong with me. <laughs> People don't just lose 30 pounds. And I got started on Prozac and I felt so much better. And yeah. so like seeing like what a toll your mental health can take on your physical health was really enlightening to me. And I see it in my patients. And then I was like, my patients can't tell me this. Like, mm -hmm. how do we advocate for them in that regards? Because, like, I know how awful it is to go through that. And in part of a way, like, dogs can't necessarily be conscious of that. And, like, mm -hmm. we can, like, in reflective thinking of, like, it's my anxiety causing this and this. But they feel awful and they feel scared and they can't tell us. I mean, they can tell us. We just have to listen. But a lot of times we yeah. don't listen. So. Yeah. I think that was just really eye-opening to me. And it, so it's become a big passion of mine because I think it's anthropomorphizing for sure, but I recognize how hard it is. And then I get to make a difference for my patients because of that. And it's been very rewarding. I, I, need, to ask you, I need to ask you this, Shannon. You, you just said it's anthropomorphizing. Why? It's a good question. And we have to do it, right? Like a lot of people get funny about like saying like dogs feel this way or dogs feel this way or cats feel this way. But like we know they're stressed, right? Like we yeah. know <laughs> that they're stressed. I guess the anthropomorphizing is like me saying like, I know I didn't feel good, so I was stressed. And again, like, I don't know that dogs can do that, but they have to at least know that they don't feel okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We don't know that... the cognitive extent of their stress, do yeah, we? Exactly. With the reason yeah. for this. Yeah. I, I certainly know their sentience. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So, uh, so we intuit, don't we? We intuit. Yeah. And whether intuiting is the same as anthropomorphizing. The, the shades are grey there, aren't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen any episodes of, of or listened to any episodes of, of Beckham Ramblings before, but we, we've had very recently one of my behavioural heroes on Sarah Heath, who mm -hmm. I'm sure you've come across. Yeah. And I was lucky enough to go to a, a conference just last week where she was talking. And she's incredibly inspiring with her Heath model of the four, the sink with the four sets and the and the drain you heard that the sink model i've not heard that it's if i sarah i know you listen to bethany rounds every week every so week. You know, if, you, if you listen to this <laughs> and i've got it wrong please come and beat me up because you've told me so many times like i, I should know but, <laughs> so but there's a sink which depending on the size of the sink well that's our resilience or our uh, patients inbuilt resilience some of us have bigger sinks some of us have smaller ones well, what's important is what's going into the sink and what's coming out of it. So what's coming out of it is our processed emotions, our ability to deal with stuff. What's going into it are both positive and negative. And, and, and she, she explains that positive and negative aren't, aren't always good and bad, but there are behaviours that are positive, there are behaviours or emotions that are positive, emotions that are, that are negative, but they still fill that sink. Uh, and whether they are good or bad, a, a full sink means you can't process stuff uh, very well, and and you get an escape, which is an overflow, and that overflow behaviour is uh, fight, flight, or uh, or paths there in, isn't it? Yes, and that's a good analogy. I, that's an awesome analogy, really, because it's true, even. And like, how do we control what's coming out of the other end, even on a good day, but when we're so overwhelmed and again, that's what I was saying earlier, well, if a staff member is having a bad day, like asking why that's happening, I guess it's probably their sinks overflowing and it's all too much like yeah. trigger stacking. There's just mm -hmm. not enough to cope with. And it's yeah. hard when you're in, when you are 
overwhelmed and overburdened to even just take one more thing on, (laughs) whether it's good or bad, like, great, I got this new job, but holy cow, like, it brings up so many other things that I have to worry about. It's, that's a great analogy. It is. She does, um, she does an analogy also of a tree. So the various branches and the various branches are positive and negative responses. So assess the situation or go sorry Sarah I can't remember the other one there's fight and flight on the other side and you reach certain levels of fullness if something stops you on a particular branch then you automatically flip over to another branch but you don't go down down to the bottom of the other branch you you end up at the same level so if you're fairly comfortable even but not full and something suddenly stresses you, you then become that flighty person mm. or the flighty person. And the same with dogs and cats. They can be on a consulting bench and, and apparently uh, acquiescent to all our free demands. That they'll lie there, they won't do anything, and we'll yeah. think, oh, bless, there's such good patience. But actually, they're not able to take any more in. Yeah. And suddenly then, they'll either try and run off or if they can't do that, they'll they'll turn and bite you. And it's understanding that that initial behaviour and recognising that actually this isn't a, a, a dog who's absolutely loving all the attention. It's a dog who's scared crapless. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I talk <laughs> about, about that with my clients all the time because like the vets take them out back and they were fine. And I'm like, they're probably frozen in terror. And like... Then they're surprised when they get bit or they're surprised when they have a reaction. And I'm mm. like, we weren't, they were screaming for us to stop, I'm sure. Like ears back, whale eye, lip licking, they're giving all of the signs mm. and we're not mm. listening to that behavior. So then they do, they they have to. Even say like this morning I came into work and one of my staff members is also my friend outside of work. We've worked with each other for a long time before we were at this job. But she was like, are you OK? Because I was just like snippy and I like I knew it and I was cognizant of it. And I was like, I'm sorry. And I didn't mean to. But she's like, what is going on? And like we're dealing with hiring and blah, blah, blah. So just normal day to day stuff. But it was just a lot. And it's easy to fall into that even from some like I'm pretty emotionally aware I try and be cognizant of those emotions because I don't want to take it out on my staff I don't want to be that person but it's hard when you're just overloaded and everything's coming at you yeah yeah really that that, folks is the stress of recording a episode of veterinary ramblings (laughs) (laughs) we bring it on we we put people right to the Right to the bitter edge there. (laughs) Yeah, I was just so worried about this all day. It was. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll turn those faucets down a little bit and and help. Thank you. I I did suggest to Sarah my definition of stress. Um, So stress is the situation brought about by being unable to choke the living shit out of something that's really annoying you. (laughs) Quite like that. She couldn't. She, she said she'd have to word it differently to go in one of her books. But yes, uh, I think she would. Actually, <laughs> yes, the physiologic state in which. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Oh, mm. we've, we we learn a lot, don't we, as we go on our way? But, um, tell me, Shannon, have you, have you have you actually listened to a, an edition of Veterinary Ramblings before? Yeah, but... You don't get um, pop, you don't get marked down. It's all right. We're silently judging you. Don't worry about it. Yes, yeah, only silent. <laughs> it's, it's, it's internal judgment here. I try not to listen to veterinary podcasts mm-hmm. when I'm like listening to podcasts, like on my drive to work or music. I'm trying to like get out of like I don't want to hear anything about veterinary medicine. <laughs> That's what we do. We don't. We, yeah. It's a ramble. It's a ramble. We, okay. That's why. We, but there's an ulterior motive to, to, to the question Mike just asked you. There is. Okay. It's, it's your your level of awareness of, of what happens mm. in veterinary. <laughs> I was already unaware of the bread question, so I guess <laughs> there's no, no more bread questions. You asked no that, more bread questions. That's out. No more bread questions. What I was going to ask you was, were you familiar with our trademarked 60-second CPD? 
feature? Yes, because um, I was prepped for it. So thank goodness for that. So <laughs> perfect. I like the sound <laughs> of this. So, so Shannon, are you up for our 60 second CPD challenge? I am. Perfect. I've got the time already here. Oh, so gosh. The question, the question I'm going to ask you is what are you going to do your 60 second CPD on? So I'm going to do it on what, as a general practicing vet, you can do for behavioral triage for your patients. Oh, okay. So 60-second CPD, Shannon Emmons, on what, as a GP vet, you can do to help triage your behavioral patients starting now. So one thing I wish every general practicing uh, general practitioner with their patients who come to you with behavior questions is ask more questions come up with a behavioral diagnosis and do a medical workup and sometimes just read back through your records and see that the patient's been in for allergies constantly because allergies can make dogs feel awful or Chronic GI issues can make animals feel awful. And maybe it's something like that we need to be addressed. And then don't be afraid to start behavioral medications. Um, even fluoxetine, trazodone, gabapentin, something to get that patient relief in the meantime until they can see a veterinary behaviorist. And please do not recommend trainers who promote electronic shock collars and prong collars. Well, wow. that's it. Perfect. <laughs> Amazing. There well we done. Go. Well done, Sherman. That was fantastic. That's fabulous. Yeah. And, and gosh, there's a lot in that. What's like, actually? I, I, I'm, intri I'm intrigued because the allergy thing, mm. the, the allergies or uh, the, the, the skin problems, quite often I've heard can be as a result of stress. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we think about it from like an endocrine standpoint, mm -hmm. stress, extra cortisol, what do we warn people about when we start dogs on steroids? Like it can cause delayed healing. It can cause a breakdown in the skin barrier. It can mm -hmm. cause all of these things. So when we are producing extra stress, we have a breakdown in our skin barrier. So that in itself and the same thing with gi like stress can cause gi issues but gi issues can cause stress like there's so much interplay mm. and those honestly most of my behavior patients come to me and they have these issues long term and i don't think we acknowledge like how painful those conditions can be <laughs> skin like if I have a bug bite it is driving me nuts so then we have these dogs that they topic dermatitis who are like bald and ripping their hair out like they must be exorbitantly uncomfortable same thing well, being bald in itself isn't a bad thing i don't think i should say bald by paritis <laughs> and alopecic from bacterial infections <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll send you a shot when you can dig a bigger hole next time is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm i'm loving it yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think there's a lot of interplay that we don't understand. And there have been studies that demonstrate like dermatological conditions do cause pain. Touch sensitivities, dogs that don't like being touched, whether it's they're, they're painful orthopedically or they have skin issues that are uncomfortable for them or they don't want their abdomen touched because they have chronic GI pain. Like, you know, if you have an upset stomach, you're crampy, you're nauseous, you don't feel good. And it's the same thing for dogs. Like they, I have a lot of clients, so even my own dog, like when he has an ear infection, he is something else. Like he's got a lot of behavioral challenges on a regular basis, but when all of a sudden he's like screaming and running in circles, I'm like, okay, well, we got to yeah. And of course I have to knock him out to get his exam done. And then I almost always find an ear infection and it causes that exacerbation. Again, they can't tell us. So we have to just follow their behavior. And I think all of that, even some people can't tell us, right? Some people can't express. So watching for changes in behavior and our colleagues and friends 
and say like, hmm, that's a little bit weird. Like what's going on here? And whether that's like a mental health issue or they're not feeling good, whatever it may be, we can apply that to every species that we come across. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can. It's like the woogie effect, isn't it? From there's something about Mary. No, I, I recently saw the film again. <laughs> I all I remember about that film was the little dog in the cast. Oh, <laughs> that yes. was like the... all I remember. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in forever. <laughs> is that, well, is that been... the one with the orgasm scene in the cafe? That's the one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It sure That's is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. That. I remember that part too. <laughs> is it air gel? <laughs> I'll have what she's having. But, yeah. Oh no 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 no. That's that's Meg Ryan. That's that's Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Oh. Oh. And oh. There's the, another the, orgasm scene in a cafe. Yeah. No. This is um, this is Ben Stiller. There's something about Mary. Ben Stiller, who who has an orgasm but loses, should we say, the product. And when his girlfriend comes to call, she sees it hanging from his ear, and says, "Oh my God, is that hair gel?" And then. Robbers over there. You've got to see the film. It's it loses yeah. a lot, but but one of the characters in it gets this gets hives and starts itching and, and then breaks out in pustules all over. And it turns out to be stress because he was also in love with Mary, played by Cameron Diaz. And was, look, at the wife's not here because who isn't in love with Cameron Diaz? Anyway, we, we do not stress and pruritus and self-harm and all these sort of things all wrapped up in a nice bubble that could be treated with fluoxetine. But and maybe, maybe but some side maybe a point too. Maybe, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you're saying that we shouldn't be worried about reaching for those human um, psychotropic uh, drugs. And, no. Yeah, and even... They, a lot of them work very well, don't they? Yeah, and some are labeled for animals too. I don't know what you guys have over there, but like Reconcile is a dog labeled fluoxetine, Clomacom, yeah, dog labeled clomipramine, Cilio, which is dexmedetomidine gel. Like we have behavioral products that are labeled for animals and they're labeled for animals. So let's use them, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank mm -hmm. you. You're absolutely right. We, we don't quite put animals on the on, on the couch do we like it's like God <laughs> but, let's sit but down you, but you mentioned um something along the lines of we we, we listen to them we listen to our patients we listen to the, the, the story we, we look at the history and we find common themes uh, but i think that the take-home message is w with everything we've discussed tonight communication is key to absolutely every part of, of of the veterinary profession, as it should be, and hopefully is in the rest of life, yeah. as well. Uh, and that's I, I do some work occasionally for for the RCVS, where almost inevitably vets have got into problems because communication has broken down. Yeah, whether uh, that's towards a client, whether that's towards a staff member and her personal mm -hmm. issues. And I feel like the ability to communicate with each other, with clients, anybody really is not something that we learn as a key skill, really. At least I didn't in vet school, but even like the general world, right? Like you're not mm -hmm. taught in like elementary school, you're writing cursive and all that. But maybe we talk about like, how do we communicate our feelings? <laughs> like, how do we have a hard conversation with somebody? Because it's something that I've had to learn, especially as a practice owner, we have to have hard conversations with the angry clients or if there's mm. inner staff issues, whatever it may be. But that's something I've had to teach myself along the way because nobody ever really had that conversation ever of like, this is how we should approach these types of situations. Yeah. I, I was giggling there to myself because I, yeah, I remember hearing many, many, many years back a, a chap called Tom Lehrer talk about communication. Now, Mike no, no, would have he, heard of he, Tom All Lehrer. he did was poison pigeons in the park. Absolutely. Oh. I think Mike would have heard of Tom Nero, but you probably haven't, Shannon. No. Uh, he was a Harvard mathematician who wrote 
quite amusing songs. One, his most famous one, actually, no, no, his second most famous one was Poisoning Visions in the Park. His most famous one was a song called The Elements, which listed the 96 known elements at that time, all sung to the tune that he was the very model of a modern major general. Okay. There's Antimony, Arsenic, Lunar, very good and he he wrote a song about about communication this was back in 1969 i think he said um he said many people go on these days about communication about their lack of communication their inability to converse adequately with their fellow man and he said as far as i'm concerned if you can't communicate adequately someone, the best thing you can do is shut the heck up. <laughs> yeah. and so, and I think we've come a long way since then. And, and I think I think you're part of the movement, being being a young being a young vet, you're part of the movement that's going to help revolutionize the veteran profession to some sort of profession that, that can communicate. And yeah. and so for that, I think as much as for your 60-second CPD, I've produced a certificate for you, a CPD certificate. And it says, certificate to say, no matter what you're going through, your life has incredible value and the veterinary community loves you and is here for you. And I've stolen that shamelessly from the non-V uh, website. <laughs> um, yeah, but, that's excellent. But also <laughs> on the certificate, there's there are happy things. There's a sunflower. There's a rainbow. There's skiing, which I know you love. <laughs> uh, I only put that picture on because I know it really annoys Mike because I'm skiing in a very bad way and he skis in a very good way. <laughs> and th- there's a loaf of homemade bread there, which rye bread, which you don't like. So yeah, sorry about that. And there, now, do you know what this is? There's a there's an animal at the top there. It's one of our one of Blighty's homegrown reptiles. It, it it's, looks it's a sling, like a, a slingworm. Oh, oh, okay. Anyway, yeah. so now, I read on your bio that you keep reptiles, but I wasn't sure whether they were snakes or tortoises, turtles or terrapins, crocodilians or lizards. <laughs> and so I put down the best thing I could, which was a combination of, it's a, a lizard that, 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 that looks like a snake. And it's intuitive because, so we have a bearded dragon so lizard and recently up until recently i had a ball python as well but he passed away in oh, february oh. so yeah just a bearded dragon now but we've got we've got a horse three dogs two cats four ducks two goats and the bearded dragon for right wow. now. wow what what breed of goats i used to have golden guernseys they are mutts. I was told they're Nigerian crosses. They're very oh, it's a long big. floppy ears. That's Nubian. There but those are exceptionally <laughs> cute. And I would love a Nubian. But no, Nigeria like Nigerian dwarves, like the little ones, but mine are big. I don't know what they're mixed with, but they're not they're definitely not purebred Nigerian. <laughs> I just got them off Facebook marketplace. So <laughs> Someone posted in the town of Lebanon page, like, hey, free goats. We we went and got them. So. Brilliant. Brilliant. Sounds reasonable to me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's classic me. So. Uh, that's, that's brilliant, Shannon. Tell me, uh, I've, I've loved talking with you this evening. It's been, been a real pleasure. Yeah. And I, I've got a feeling, I'm hoping that you have, you've prepared a beautiful 60-second CPD for us admirably delivered right on the button with a really good message i was wondering had you been tipped off about being asked for a reflection question i have yes Gosh. please 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 will you share because i'm looking forward to this please will you share us a reflection question for our other guests and for the listeners that we have so my question is, what are you doing to change the veterinary profession for the better? Oh. Mm-hmm. That can be mental health, that can be patient care, whatever it may be. I would love for there to be some mental health in there too, but that's what I got for you. That's lovely. So that's quite a challenge. I like that. Yes. It's a real challenge. Probably my answer to that, if I'm going to answer it, is, is leave. 
stop recording veterinary ramblings. <laughs> and if that helps, we should do it. Oh, well, from what I have learned in this hour, a little over an hour with you guys, you should definitely keep doing this. This is awesome. Oh, thank you very That's much. Kind of you to say, very kind. That's very kind. We've loved having you on tonight. You've been okay. a, a, a ray of, of, of sunshine. So thank and, you so much. And if our listeners share Shannon's sentiments there, don't mm-hmm. forget to click like, share, tell your friends about it, and please subscribe. It's just that one little tick, but it really makes a difference to us. So please subscribe and then we can keep you in touch. And if you want to get in touch or ask any questions, then please do. Shannon Emmons, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and sharing mm-hmm. sharing some of your life and your experiences, and especially about non with us and our listeners. And thank you very much indeed. All it remains for us to do is to say... Thank you. And may your dog go with you. May your dog go with you. Thanks, guys.